Hi, this is Stuart. And I'm Pooja. And together we are... DNS Law. Welcome to our second podcast. Today we're going to be focusing on critical purpose reasons to travel into New Zealand. So essentially, how can we get into New Zealand even though there are border restrictions? The first one I think we should look at is partners and family. So partners and family members of either New Zealand citizens or residents or visa holders. Yeah, and there are a few kind of different categories of what you can apply for, how you can get in, so on and so forth. Before we kind of continue, we need to first explain what a border exception is. Essentially, it's a two-part process that Immigration New Zealand has set up, so you can request to come into New Zealand. So you've first got to lodge something called an expression of interest. This is kind of a very basic form, gives you a few little boxes for you to put in some information about what category you fit into and why you need to come into New Zealand. And then if they approve that, you then have the opportunity to put in a visa application and you may be issued a visa to come to New Zealand, depending on the evidence you provide, so on and so forth. So let's start off with the easiest one, which is if you're a partner of a New Zealand resident or citizen. So there are a few different categories in which you can apply for a border exception. So for a partner of a New Zealand citizen or resident, if you are currently living together and are offshore and you're going to travel into New Zealand with your New Zealand citizen or resident partner, then you can apply for an exception and uh, you should be granted it. The second category is if you were normally resident in New Zealand with your New Zealand citizen or resident partner and you were offshore, got caught by the border restrictions and are separated, you can apply for an exception to come back in. And finally, if you hold a partnership-based visa, so a partnership-based temporary visa, and you should be able to travel back into New Zealand as well. For all three of these, we do recommend putting in border exception requests because it then means you have certainty that Immigration New Zealand will allow you back into New Zealand. As Pudja was saying there, those people who are granted a temporary partnership-based visa can look at entering New Zealand if they get this border exception. But there are other types of partners. So, for instance, sometimes immigration, when you're not living together with your partner, they're satisfied that there's a relationship there, but they're not satisfied enough to grant you a partnership-based visa. We'll say, we'll grant you a general visitor's visa in order for you to come into New Zealand to then establish living together and then make a further application in the future for a temporary partnership-based visa, whether that's a work or whatever. However, under current COVID restrictions, it means that immigration will not actually grant those general visitors' visas for partners. They'll process the application because you've made a partnership application based on your relationship with a New Zealander, But then they'll get to the point where they'll say, well, we're not satisfied on the relationship evidence. We would ordinarily grant you a general visitor's visa, but we can't do that until border restrictions are actually lifted. So in those situations, you've only really got two options. One is the New Zealand citizen or resident partner travels to the country where the partner is living, and then you make the application for a border exception And if granted, then travel back together on a critical purpose visa along with your New Zealand partner. Or something we haven't actually tried yet, but we're looking at it, is 
in those situations where immigration said we would grant you a general visitor's visa, we then look at making a border exception expression of interest. And if that is granted, then going back to Immigration New Zealand and saying, you know how you were going to grant me a general visitor's visa? Well, can you now just grant me a critical purpose visa to allow me to enter New Zealand? Those are the kind of two options in that space. The one big difference that I have generally found in applying for both types of visas based off a border exception or like Stuart was just mentioning, a straightforward partnership-based visa application that you would normally do through the INZ online system is that I find that in the border exception, immigration tend to be more willing to look at historical evidence of living together so for example some cultures you can't live together until you're married so often New Zealander goes back home you get married you live together for about three weeks and then the New Zealand travels back to New Zealand because they have work and so on and so forth and normally the partner back home would have applied for a visa waited for a little bit and potentially come in on that visitor visa general because they're not living together, which is what Stuart was mentioning earlier. What I've discovered is that for the critical purpose visa, they do look at historical living together evidence, and they do use that to determine that you and your partner were living together, and maybe because of COVID, you no longer can. So what I'm saying is, if you haven't lived together recently, and COVID is one of those reasons, it's still definitely worth exploring putting in a critical purpose uh, visa application through the border exception process. There are a few more kind of quick categories of partners. So if a New Zealander has a partner who's an Australian citizen or permanent resident, they can also do the exception and they'll be granted a one-time entry resident visa to come into New Zealand. If you have a partner from a visa waiver country, so usually those who would not have to apply for a visa to come into New Zealand and just travel with an NZ ETA, so a travel authority, uh, countries like uh, Italy, a few of the European countries, the UK, and if they don't meet the above three categories, so not traveling with or haven't lived in New Zealand for a long time before or don't hold a partnership-based visa, you can still make a request to travel and may be granted a critical purpose uh, visa. If you've got partners or dependent children of New Zealand, work or student visa holders who were living in New Zealand, or already hold a student visa or work visa or visitor visa, uh, normally live in New Zealand and have a partner or a parent who is currently living in New Zealand. So for example, two of you were living here together, one of you headed offshore for a holiday or for whatever purpose, and now they're stuck. Those are kind of the very basic family-based border exception categories to think about. Yeah, with all of those ones that we discussed in terms of partners, it's worth mentioning that you can include the dependent children within that same request. So if it's, you know, partner and dependent children stuck offshore, then everybody just applies at the one time. One of the other categories for entry to New Zealand is critical health workers. This is very time limited and time sensitive at the moment because it only applies to those people who are either a current or new health or disability worker who's needed for a role to deliver critical health services in New Zealand or others. But if you are a new employee, your start date must be before the 31st of March 2021 to come in within the scope of this exception. Uh, you can also include a partner or dependent children in this request. Uh, and as per always, you must be able to prove that you're in a genuine and stable relationship with your partner. So examples of critical health workers are essentially internationally qualified nurses, 
registered health practitioners, so doctors, surgeons, so on and so forth, uh, technical and support staff, so people working in uh, oncology, in the theatres, in laboratory and radiology, so on and so forth. Research staff are also included. And then you've got uh, workers who deliver mental health or addiction services, those who work in aged care, home care, child care, hospice care. Uh, there is uh, quite a long list. So if you have any questions or need any clarifications, get in touch with us and I'm sure we can help out. Those who are considered other critical workers may be able to get a border exception. Um, so essentially you've got people who work in construction, you've got people who work in essential services, so utilities workers in New Zealand, water care, vector, gas services, all of that kind of thing. Essentially the best way to determine if you're a critical worker is to think about all those services that would have operated in New Zealand when we were in level four lockdown. So if you were considered an essential service at that time, it is likely or it is possible that you might be classified as a critical worker. One of them includes an actor in a movie. Really? Yes. Or a vendor-appointed engineer required to install major equipment or a highly specialist domestic veterinarian. That is very interesting. Mm. And then there's others within managed isolation workers, maritime sector or recognised seasonal employer scheme. That's a whole separate list of things that you can track down or get in touch and we can help you out. The other quick one is entry for PhD and postgrad students. So there's a targeted list there, but it only accounts for 250 international PhD and postgrad students who've been nominated by their own education provider uh, to return to New Zealand to continue their studies. Uh, so it is, again, a return to New Zealand. So it's not a brand new visa application that you're making at this point. It's someone who's already been studying here and your educational provider in New Zealand, like university, polytech, etc., picks you as one of those people they want to return to continue your studies. But you can, again, include your partner or dependent child yep. in that application. So I guess the other biggie really is humanitarian reasons. That's the sort of catch-all, isn't it? It's, yep. I don't meet the other things, so maybe I meet this one. And I guess that's the one that we get most inquiries about. So, you know, like I don't fit squarely in the box of those other exceptions. So does my case fit within humanitarian? Usually, I would have to respond with no, just because the threshold is incredibly high and it is quite difficult to be able to obtain a border exception based on humanitarian reasons. So immigration does look at a few different factors in making the decision. That is essentially your connection to New Zealand, so whether you normally live here, where you're currently based, whether you're stuck somewhere that is dangerous and unsafe for you to continue living in, how long you've been away from New Zealand, so if you already live here, how long you've been away, how long you've been in a place that isn't quite suited, whether you have any other options. So for example, if you're a citizen of, I don't know, Argentina and you're currently stuck in Australia, and your family is in New Zealand, they look at whether you can return home to Argentina more safely instead of having to come into New Zealand, and then what the impact of not allowing you to travel would be. So it is a mixture of all of this that immigration does consider. As I mentioned earlier, the threshold is very high. So even if there was an incredibly roundabout way for someone to return home, it is most likely that immigration will decline the request and prefer that you head home. So when this humanitarian exception got first introduced they said it is not the humanitarian test for deportations and that test is that 
there are exceptional circumstances of a humanitarian nature would make it unjust or unduly harsh and for you to be deported. And in all the circumstances, it's not against New Zealand's public interest to allow you to remain. But effectively, what it seems to become is a de facto policy of it. It needs to be really exceptional humanitarian circumstances. It's not run-of-the-mill stuff. It needs to be something truly exceptional. And what that is, is really in the eye of the beholder. It's whatever the processing officer decides it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, we've heard of clients who have applied over and over and over and over again, and finally they have gotten, I don't know, their 13th or 14th try. They've been successful. That incidence has decreased recently, so it's more that if you apply a second or a third time, you get an almost instant decline. So the applying again and again and again doesn't quite work anymore. I mean, Immigration's own website says that it's going to be in extremely limited cases that they're going to allow this to happen. And I guess what you have to tie all of this into in terms of the exceptions is the very limited space that we have at MIQ. I know people who have been granted visas and they're sitting thinking, well, I've been granted a visa uh, which says I must enter New Zealand within the next six months. However, I'm really struggling to find a spot at MIQ to even come in. So what's going to happen to my visa that's been issued? Am I going to have to apply for a new visa or is immigration going to extend that travel condition because it's got no space at MIQ? It is possible that immigration is hopefully going to recognise how few spots there really are in MIQ and say, look, fine, we'll extend out all visas issued between this time and this time for another three months. But then again, you know, we've got a very short period in which they can try to get into MIQ. So it's kind of an ongoing issue. I guess my top tip would be in relation to the MIQ is you basically have to check that website every single day and potentially multiple times in a day because... People might be given an an MIQ spot and then their travel is disrupted. For instance, their plane's cancelled, so they're now not able to actually take up that spot. So that spot then becomes available. You know, if you're checking on a regular basis, you might be able to seize that spot as it becomes available. And for a period, they had stopped kind of issuing those extra spots because of the Pullman and making up for the capacity where they were taking fewer and fewer guests for a period of time. That's now stopped. And from the last thing I heard, I believe they are freeing up those spots like Stuart just mentioned now as well. Yeah. But currently, it's up to the end of May, the the spots that have been released. So they seem to be doing it in small tranches so that it's not booked up for months in advance. The last time they did release the spots, they were booked up in, I think, half an hour. So, yeah, you really, really do have to be quick there. Uh, There are a few more kind of small exceptions. One is for ship crew. If you're a replacement cargo ship member, you can request to travel to New Zealand and join a cargo ship. Uh, You've got ship crew who arrive by sea. uh, And then you also have travel to and from the Pacific. Citizens of Samoa and Tonga can look at traveling to New Zealand if they've got essential travel. And if the government has received agreement for the travel from uh, New Zealand Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade, so MFAT, to let you travel there. And for this one, any family member must have their own critical reason for traveling as well. So it's not as easy as just including them in your travel request. And then those from the Cook Islands, Nui, 
Tokelau, Tonga and Samoa, as I mentioned, for essential travel. Again, they have to have uh, essential travel requests from their governments as well uh, in consultation with the NZ's MIQ. And again, you can't just kind of lock family members and children onto this. They must also have essential reasons for traveling to New Zealand. People who want to come to New Zealand for medical treatment need to have first of all received approval from the medical provider, so the hospital, etc., to do that operation before they can even submit their request for an exception to come into New Zealand for medical treatment. I think that's pretty much all the border exceptions that have been released and being issued to the middle of February, really. Nobody knows at this point in time whether MIQ spaces are going to increase. I would doubt it. You know, there's been talk from various quarters about New Zealand building a purpose-built MIQ facility. There seems to be no real appetite from that from the government because they just see it as being, how long is that going to take to be built? How much is it going to cost? What critical infrastructure do we have to place around it? You know, for instance, people talked at the start about having MIQ in Queenstown because it had all these hotels, but the hospital capacity wasn't enough to deal with it. So this is why you end up having it within central Auckland, because you have two or three hospitals that it can feed to. Uh, So if you were to build this purpose-built MIQ facility out in the middle of nowhere, you would have to build a purpose-built hospital to go with it. Clearly nobody's going to do it. No, and I guess the hope is that COVID is temporary and eventually all the vaccinations will be done and we won't be in this system of flux for hopefully too much longer. And so having a purpose-built hospital and an MIQ system that may end up not being used at all isn't going to be the wisest of things to do. No, so I don't think there's going to be any increase in MIQ spaces. So it's really just going to be about how many people are coming and whether MIQ is still going to be needed. The best guess at the moment is that unrestricted travel to New Zealand, it's certainly not going to happen this year, that it's going to be at least 2022 or onwards before we get into an easing of restrictions. Um, Before we finish off for today, I've got a few general tips on things that you can do to make your humanitarian exception or your border exception in general better. So the first thing is be incredibly clear with the details. So say why you're applying, say your partner's name, um, give them their date of birth, their passport number, so on and so forth. Just make it super clear. The second thing would be if you're a New Zealander and, and you and your partner are intending to travel out of New Zealand for a reason, so for any kind of tragedy in the family or for any kind of essential work that you are going to have to be doing, apply for the exception before you leave. Give them the dates that you're going to be traveling back into New Zealand. Apply for the exception so you know that when you get on that flight on the other side of the world, you will be fine and that you're not stuck there waiting for an exception to come through. So apply for it before you leave. And the third tip is put everything, all the information, don't leave out any details, put it all in your first border exception EOI, just because the second one they may not consider, you may not get a second shot. So just uh, put all the details in and if you're going to apply again, apply again if you have new circumstances. So for example, things have changed since your last border exception. Putting in two, three, four exceptions right after each other isn't really going to work. I think the other top tip is use an immigration lawyer. That would really be it. Um, the, The thing is that 
we come across so many of these. It is not straightforward. We do a bunch of these on a regular basis. So get in touch, even if it's just for an initial consultation. We'll have a chat with you and see how we can help. But for now, uh, we are going to head out. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as our website. If you've got any requests or any questions, flick us through an email or a comment, and we'll talk to you next time.